Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Your double E, Ina Esco, in the building right here on WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis, raised by sound. And check it out. We have a live interview today on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. Check it out. I mean, this person that I will be talking to today is actually Verbally Effective alum. I'm talking about when I started the podcast in 2018 with this amazing vision to talk to all of these Memphians at the intersections of art, culture, politics, and entertainment. I thought of this person because he is extremely talented. He has a new title under his belt. Memphis is so proud of him. I am talking about Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist. I'm talking about writer. His pen is crazy. He is, you know, getting all these screen rights together. We're going to talk about all of that. And he has an artist in residency at a university, Georgetown University out there in D.C. I'm talking about Marco Pave. What's up, Marco? What it do? <laughs> how you doing? You just got off the flight, right? Yeah, yeah. I just touched down. Yes. In the M, how does it feel to be home? I love it. Uh, home is always good. It's super dope, like landing and hearing all the voices of all the folks. You know, I just heard Tonya Dyson telling me to uh, not put my bags down and TS or TSA gonna get me so Okay, okay. You know, there's new rules now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New rules out there. So you so got there. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you feeling good? I feel good, yeah. You got the Grammy now. Yeah. So life different, right? I mean, it, you know. <laughs> like my uh, homegirl Cam, uh, Cam always tell me, the Grammys just catching up. Yeah. Oh, they just you know, catching up they, with, with a lot of Memphis. Exactly. With a lot of Memphis. But um, like I said, you know, we talked in 2018, but so much has changed in your world. Uh, we're going to uh, give the Memphians out here a recap of your journey. Let's start at the beginning. I know you represent North North Memphis. Mm-hmm. Tell the good people about your upbringing in North Memphis. Yeah, I grew up literally right down the street. Uh, my dad literally still stays on North Watkins. Like Does he? North Watkins Around the corner. Jackson, yeah. So these my stumping grounds. Like this building was obviously abandoned and mm-hmm. run down through my whole childhood. Wow. You know, um, I went to Valentine Elementary, went to Cypress Middle, which is now like Kip Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy growing up. Like it was a lot of neighborhood change. Like this building is right across the street that was formerly this this uh, New Orleans restaurant. Okay, that was a, a, a Crystals. Really? Um, the the laundromat down there that was the easy way. So this looks um, totally different to you completely now. Completely different. Yeah, wow. it was it was a Burger King down the street. It was okay. like so much other stuff. Um, the only thing that survived that's been over here since I was a kid is Mr. Z's. Mr. Um, Z's. And he like a ghost. Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't even know how he holding on. I think he retired, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, like not that long ago. Mr. So, Z's the man, okay. Yeah, so it was just, you know, deep. Um, but music kept me like out of the, out of, out of trouble and out of the mm-hmm. struggle. At a very deal. young age? Yeah, at a very young age. I was rapping at eight. Rapping it eight. eight. Who got you into rapping it eight? Just the community members, just like other, like I saw like the older guys in my school yeah. that was like uh, fifth and uh, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. They was beating on the tables and just getting like all this kind of love. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's cool. I want to do that too. So me and my friends, we 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 picked up to up the tradition and started doing it ourselves. So yeah, by middle school, I had my own like little tapes, cassette tapes that I was rapping okay. on. I would like record myself from the computer mm-hmm. to the to the cassette tape. 
Um, and people be like, you was rapping on cassette tapes? I'm like, yeah, we didn't yeah. have like technology. I remember like them that. days. Yeah, so like this like 2004, 2005 type of deal. Yeah. Um, that was really like helping me build build my voice. And so by the time I got to high school, I was like seriously pursuing rap in a in a real way. Okay. And and what artists from Memphis really kind of were instrumental in mm. in molding? you know your sound or were, were Memphis artists instrumental yeah, in it okay. absolutely okay. Um, but the, the first artist that gave me like this different like vantage point and viewpoint um, was Kanye uh, mm-hmm. I never forget. I was uh, coming home from school, and I got home, and MTV was on, and I saw Through the Wire for the first time, mm-hmm. and that was just like, oh, okay, I get it. Like this is a guy. Like I have a more middle class upbringing, so my my dad was working, business owner. You know, we we own our house, like you know, but I'm in the middle of North Memphis, so it was like all this crazy stuff, violence and gang stuff happening around me. But my life is kind of more stable, kind of mm-hmm. deal. Um, and so Kanye gave me a view vantage point of like, oh, you don't have to be necessarily against the kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, the Memphis rappers, like you hear the beat that's playing, like Project mm-hmm. Pat, you know, Yo Gotti was huge instrumental uh, in, in my upbringing. You know, uh, a lot of people don't know this story. I was uh, I snuck to his uh, gangster party video shoot. You what? Uh, <laughs> when I was uh, <laughs> yeah, when they shot it at the Northside Market, had to go, huh? Had to go. Yeah. How was so, it? It was crazy. Seeing yeah. that. <laughs> It was nuts. Wow. And and I met Gotti uh, in 2016 at South by Southwest. Uh, So that was cool. He was like, I I know your face. I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you probably do. Um, So, yeah, um, my cousin, Renegade L. Ray, who is the uh, recording engineer at uh, Stank On Your Studios in Atlanta. He's a big influence for me. Um, Just so many Memphis artists. Just in stacks, the stacks catalog. And I started to get into that more uh, as as an adult. But um, just just all this Memphis history around just has definitely molded and shaped how I think about business, music, and just life in general. Yes, because, you know, I've seen you perform over the years at various um, occasions. And um, you have really grown in your art. Um, Where did... Or when did the writing become really serious for you? Mm. Um, let's see. Because you lethal with the pen now. Like, we, <laughs> we, we're, we're, we're going to, like, screenwrite. So like, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would say it started mm, in, like, maybe 2015. Uh, well, no, I, I wouldn't even say that. I, I have, like, a lot of people don't know these histories. But, like, I used to, I was trying to, like, create my own, like, boondocks. Mm. Um, when I was in high school, when you were in high yeah, school, and me and my uh, friend, um, we was it was called the Hoods, and so we just made up a bunch of these. I mean, we was just basically copying the Boondocks, but we were trying to like uh, hone our voice um, in in that way. So that was kind of like the first uh, moment where I started like really trying to think about writing, um, and it kind of like dwindled off for a while, um, and then I would say. 2015, I started doing more uh, public speaking. Um, so I had to write speeches and, and, you know, I did my TED talk in 2015. And so mm-hmm. that kind of like really opened up the the floodgates of just writing and more long form kind of communication. Um, and then 2017, Opera Memphis asked me to write an opera, which I thought was insane. 
Um, how did like they just <laughs> sent you an email like hey yeah, we're opera memphis basically yeah you. yeah that was like we we just got this um grant or um yeah they just they were applying for a grant matter of fact mm-hmm. um and they wanted uh new voices that have never written operas before to be a part of it and my my opera that i wrote end up helping you know opera memphis um, along with the other operas that were included in the package, like get this like two hundred fifty thousand dollar grant, mm. um, and that was what helped us be able to stage the opera in twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. which turned turned into uh, Graceland twenty thirty. Wow! Um, so yeah, that is amazing, Marco. Mm-hmm. Like like the accomplishments that you've made. Um, I mean. It's probably bomb beyond your wildest dreams. At I, this point. I, I would say so for sure. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Wow. Okay, let's get into this residency that you have at Georgetown. How did that all come about? And tell us what you're doing exactly over there in DC. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I've I've been public speaking at colleges since 20. You know, I, I, I was uh, tweeting about this the other day. I've been speaking in colleges since I was 22 years old like a lot of people don't know i'm a college dropout like Mm. that just in itself is is mind-blowing um to be able to do that yeah i've spoken at ucla university cincinnati purdue like you name it i've Mm. I've done it and i I built this platform of speaking about hip-hop as a social tool um I, i you know speaking about you know white supremacy speaking about all the 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 troubles that we see and how hip hop can be the voice of, of critiquing these these powers that be. Um, so that kind of led to a lot of just, like I said, public public speaking opportunities that um, helped me mold what I was trying to do in the world. And then my TED Talk in 2015 has a lot of like these uh, ideas about how to support the arts. And so the residency for me was a, was a way to support artists to just be able to, to think and create craft the ideas that they are trying to come up with and you need space and time to, to be able to do that and so this Georgetown residency allows me this space and time to like think but then also to program these events that I have or the events that I want to do um, so it's a super cool gig to just like support you know what I've been manifesting yes yes now while you're in D.C., I know it's much different than Memphis. Um, I have a lot of verbally effective guests that love D.C. Uh, tell me about how is the D.C. life? Because you're not in Memphis right now. You're out there in Georgetown, you know, living, yeah. uh, visiting Memphis, you know, for the holidays. But tell me about, you know, life out there in D.C. now. D.C. is good. It's, you know, the first thing. Um, so, you know, I wrote this uh, piece for the Oxford American. My first, like, memoir piece uh, came out this summer um, with the Oxford American, and it's called Even Jesus Left. Mm. Um, and it's me just talking about my story about, you know, growing up in Memphis and having this first opportunity to live away from Memphis for the first time in my life. And I talk about, you know, the, the distinctions, the differences, and the, one of the main differences that I noticed when we first got to D.C. is just public transit. Mm-hmm. Just like you, you can freely move about. Yes. And that is a completely different way of viewing the world, seeing the world, feeling the world. Um, Cause when we first got there, we didn't have a car. You didn't like, need one, did you? Exactly. Right. Yeah. We so we just you know the the train is just the beauty of that mm-hmm. movement is just like powerful, and I, yeah. I I appreciate it every time. Like I hear people in D.C. complaining like, oh the train's slow or it's late. I'm like, 
bruh. Be thankful. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So, um, that part for sure. But then it's like, DC super expensive. Mm. Like, cost of living is yeah, crazy. It's, it's through the roof. You know, the homeless problem. Like, the, the, DC is like mm. a very, like, uh, corporate city, like uncaring about the the, the, the nitty gritty of humanity in a way, and you mm. can see it on the day to ba- daily basis, like just the homeless population, how they treat people, pushing people out, getting rid of um, uh, homeless shelters and things like that. So it's that's a, crazy, yeah, it's, and that's like a mirror of you know our, our system. Mm-hmm. It's in DC, yeah, it's, it's for sure. The core you can see it. It's, it's, it's American government, literally. Wow, is housed there, so you can see all the bad for sure. But I like it. Like I said, it's a place to breathe. It's a place to like think in a way. Um, and like I said, I'm I still got my house here, so we like mm. you know back and forth. It's more of a two city life yeah. rather than you know I'm gone kind of deal. Right, right. Wow. Well, Marco Pave, we're going to get into these Grammy talks when we come back. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get right back into it. Marco Pave in the building, Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist right here on WYXR. WYXR is supported by the Orpheum Theater, presenting Mannheim Steamroller Christmas by Chip Davis on Thursday, December 29th. The spirit of the season comes alive with the sound of Mannheim Steamroller, a holiday tradition for over 35 years. More information at orpheum-memphis.com. That's right, WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis, your double E, Ina Esco in the building, doing a live, verbally effective podcast from a good friend, Marco Pave, who is visiting his home city for the holidays, and he has a new title under his belt. I was so proud when the Grammy nominations were announced and your name was called. I mean, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I know him, I know him. <laughs> and we had quite a few people from Memphis, mm-hmm. you know, that, that have been nominated. It's this thing about Memphis is in the limelight. So I want you to tell the good people, you know, the exact category you have been nominated for in the in the Grammys and about the project that it's for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're nominated in the Best Contemporary Classical Composition category. That um, alone. Which is just like, is you know. Wow. <laughs> like, what category was yeah. that? Okay. But it's like, I ain't playing no flutes and no instruments right. or none of that. I'm, I'm You're rapping. using your um, gift. Yeah, so the project is called Requiem for the Enslaved. Um, and it features, it's a collaborative album between myself and Carlos Simon. Um, and it's commemorating and honoring the lives of the Georgetown 272. Um, so Georgetown, like many other institutions, sold slaves to fund their whole operation. Mm. Um, and this one sale in the 1800s, 1830s, um, the Georgetown 272, they sold these 272 people to keep their doors open because they was, you know, obviously, if they bad people, they bad with money. So mm. it's kind of like that. Um, so they were going bankrupt and they sold these 272 people um, to in Louisiana um, to to keep their doors open. So this, this project is to honor those lives of those people, not about Georgetown Institution, because um, I honestly could care less. This is about the ancestors. This is about like shining the light on the larger institution of slavery, but also shining the light on the the continued, you know, uh, legacy of that. Like we are 
I'm not ashamed that my people were slaves. I'm not ashamed that my people were sharecroppers or you know exactly. So yeah. being able to honor that and elevate these these people to the to the place that they need to be, that's what the project is about. So us being nominated for it is just historical and I'm, I'm i'm proud to to be a part of it so did you know that it was in talks of being um you know put in when we the night the day we recorded i said we we getting the grammy Ooh, i promise you claimed I, it. I promise the day we recorded i said nah this week we getting something mm. off of this because it was just too powerful mm-hmm. the way we did it we recorded in boston um boston massachusetts in may of 2021 um and just like I had never been a part of something so powerful and just so well put together and mm-hmm. just well or machine kind of deal. All I had to do was come in and, and speak, do your thing. speak my lines and, you know, do my thing. So, yeah. And so you looking at the everyone with their instruments. Mm-hmm. When I when I look at the video, the visuals of you doing the project, I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that looks really just electrifying, mm-hmm. like different. Yeah, it was for sure. And that's that's part of the recording. That was from May. 2021 and then in november uh 2021 it premiered uh with the library of congress uh, so that's another thing too i'm i'm in the library of congress like a lot of mm. a lot of rappers can't say you know yes. what I'm saying? they was in the library yes. of congress so um yeah and that a year later it was nominated for a grammy um so i'm just like wow. i said ecstatic over the moon kind of deal um yeah, yeah. So you just on cloud nine, baby, because <laughs> when that announcement was was made, um, you know, I hit your socials. I was like, yeah, Marco, <laughs> he ready, baby. He ready. So you got everything together to go to the Grammys next year. When is the Grammys next it's, uh, year? February, February Oh, that's around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Prep Curry. He uh, putting together my, my outfit for the, red, uh, for the red carpet. So, yes. you know, we got Memphis Hometown Love, uh, fashion designer that's going to hook me up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna kind of document the process and things yes. like that. So yeah, yeah they, they just cool. did a, um, a fashion show. show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was last weekend. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Prep Curry was like, I think like the the lead designer mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. event yep. and. Memphis Jukin was in the yeah, building. Yeah, I was yeah. like, come on, Prep Curry. I mean, like, the, the talent in Memphis is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you are nominated for a Grammy. We got Glow. Mm-hmm. She just hit the scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that song. Whoa. Took the, took the word by storm. Yes, yeah. yes. We have so many amazing individuals yeah. in the city Eric of Gales, Memphis. Eric Gales, yes, yes. Shout out to Ari Moore. Like, so, yeah, it's plenty, plenty of people, yeah. Wow, congratulations. Um, I know you're going to get that Grammy. Mm. I know you're going to get that Grammy. Mm-hmm. I feel it. Yeah. Like um, the other people that's in the category with you, <laughs> I mean, they're talented as well, but I think this project is really special. Yeah, it's like, it's either, I told my wife, it's like either they want to make history and we're going to win because of, of the content of the, of the, of the piece, or we're not going to win because of the content of the piece. Mm. But either way, I'm standing on it. I'm standing on the ancestors, and we 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 proud of what we did. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, like it's 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 you know overdue. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. Um, repeat after me, Marco Pave. Amen. Say mine. Amen. Say mine. Oh, you sound so <laughs> North Memphis witty. <laughs> this is a moment of transparency between you and I on the verbally effective podcast, and I want to talk about some of the controversy surrounding the Grammys. I mean, I could really kind of go back to like, you know, your Drake's when 
um, he first tried to protest the Grammys. Mm-hmm. One second, one second, one second. Let me get this intro, in, instrumental back up in here. There we go, there we go, there we go. Um, we've seen Nicki Minaj act a plum fool on Instagram. Uh, you know, I, I know Nicki won a, a Grammy, um, but it's obvious there have been... Um, you know, a lot of controversy surrounding how people are chosen in certain categories. You like Nikki rap, but no, they put her in pop. They want Lotto to win. Woo, woo, woo. Beyonce has been shunned on Grammys before. Um, and we have a huge Grammy board in Memphis. I've had so many people on the podcast that are on the board for the Grammy. So can you kind of talk to how you feel about all of this controversy surrounding the Grammys in itself? I mean, yeah, we, we, we're talking about the music industry. The recording music industry is a historically racist and oppressive institution. You know, we're going all the way back to, you know, when they started recording the blues. They just, you know, uh, Lomax just went down to the South and just recorded people and took their records and, and said it was his uh-huh. kind of deal. So, you know, that's the basis of the music industry. And so then once you have people like that, that control everything, is going to always be, you know, harder for black people to get the recognition that, that they deserve. And that's within any industry, literary in- industry. Uh, watching a documentary last night about Toni Morrison. They mm. would not give Toni Morrison the, the National Book Award. And all her colleagues really pushed for her to get this award so she could be recognized in, in that way. Not that she needed it, but it's just a fact that Toni Morrison is one of the great, no, I would say the greatest writer in American history. Literary, um, I mean, genius. So, yes, for sure. And so music is dealing with those same type of same type of issues. Um, and so it's, it's a tricky uh, thing. Like, people don't know how you get selected for the Grammys and all of that. But for me, like, when I hear the people like the Drakes and the Nicki Minaj is complaining, like, it's hard to, like, care. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like, alright, cool, you still, like, selling all these records <laughs> right. and being able to control the airwaves and, you know, so for, for me, like, I'm an artist that might not ever get nominated in the traditional rap category. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I got to deal with because every time it's going, I'm going to be going up against Drake. I'm going up against these people who mm-hmm. refuse to retire or yes. they have so much power in the industry that they that's can true. automatically, you know, get nominated. But at the same time, um, these genres are, are probably the issue as well. You know, so Beyonce breaking the mold and being nominated in the dance music category is, mm-hmm. is, a, is a huge thing because anything Beyonce does is automatically seen as R&B or, right. or pop. But that new Renaissance, baby, that, that yeah. was some dance. Exactly. And they, so, that was well-deserved, exactly. you know. Um, but genre being categorized is the issue, yeah. you know, so even for the album that, that we're nominated for, like it's in the classical music category, but even I'm having my own issues within that category. Why? Because, you know, historically, they only want to, you know, recognize the composer. Mm. But, but baby, your name I, on the nomination. Exactly, but I, but I am a composer, but they, okay. we haven't to really think about it it's like we, we had this uh issue even with the, the contractual uh obligations of the Ooh. piece it's like it's not a composition without my voice true 
it's not a full composition without my voice. Like my my daughter said, uh, uh, it's just an instrumental if you ain't on it. Right. And so it's just like. So they were going to originally not have your name as a composer? Yeah. On the project? For sure, yeah. I'm glad you on top of your business, oh, yeah, Marco Pablo. Yeah, I don't play that. You just like, wait a minute, hold yeah, on. Yeah. So Carlos' name was going to be on that. Yeah, for sure. Because that's just, that's just how the, like I said, in they that category, do. that's okay. how they do. But, you know, historically, there are people who have, you know, made sure they advocated for the librettist because that's what I would be called on this piece. I'm a librettist. I wrote mm. I wrote all those words. Those words came from me. Librettist. Well, I would say God, but those words came from from the spirit that I was told to write kind of deal. And so you don't have the full piece. It's not the requiem for the enslaved fully yeah. without without the word. Was it a lot of back and forth or you addressed it and it got updated? I got good attorneys, so we don't, you know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't play none of that, so yeah. Wow, yeah. that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And here we are today. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So February, baby, we at the Grammys. We're going to be tuned in. It's going to be in L.A.? It's in L.A., yeah. L.A. Yeah. Okay. So we know so you're going to... So I think, like I said, I'll be telling my fans to fact check it, but I think I'm the first rapper in this category to be nominated, so... Ooh, just legendary. Marco Pave, yeah. look how far <laughs> you've come. Um... Tell us about some of the screenwriting and other projects you have going on. Yeah, man, I just be working. I'm just trying yes. to, anything I can do to be creative. Because um, sometimes music feels limiting um, for me, especially just like rap music um, and trying to compete with the algorithm, trying to compete with how no. music comes out now. And, you know, the the vibes, the energies that, that music has um, can sometimes feel limiting. Um, and I, I've always started to like try to express myself in different avenues like I literally wrote an opera so once I did that it's like man I'm in a whole nother category yeah. I can't just keep trying to chase this music industry level mm. fame I gotta figure out other ways to be creative and, and, or, or I will become stagnant um, and so yeah all these opportunities have led to something else um, my opera led to me you know uh, my basically my residency, but also led to me writing on this project for Spotify. Um, mm. I can talk about it now because I'm out the deal. Okay, I'm free. Like come you on, know, Spotify. Talk about- <laughs> come on, Spotify. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was. I was working with them, um, but it was a it was a tricky situation because it was like I was the only black person on the project. So um, how did that go? It was. You know how it went. Just. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I go. Okay. White executives trying to tell me how to tell tell a story about black people. And it was like, you know, you stay on this project and, and get this big check that they trying to put put in front of your face or take your integrity and dip and go find your own stories and, mm. and, and, and do what you want to do. Okay. And so that was my Master P moment. It was like, if they offering me this much money to... To, 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 to control my story how much am I really worth so, so that's how that panned out yep wow yeah, so you know I, I'm hearing a lot of stuff about Spotify mm-hmm. like um, especially in the podcasting realm these exclusive deals mm-hmm. but but they got you so locked in mm-hmm. you can't you know do business with anyone else of course mm-hmm. it's an exclusive deal but then it becomes you know they controlling yeah your art yeah and then they own the IP and all of these other mm-hmm. things like that and so yeah it was it was honestly it was less about Spotify in my situation and more about the the people that they picked to be in, in control mm-hmm. um, 
which like I said was making it negative for me and I just had so much of a learning experience about what Hollywood is what the writing world screenwriting world is um and it just pushed me to go do my own thing so I wrote Mm -hmm. my first pilot in 20 uh during the pandemic um then I wrote another one I was like, I gotta, you know, just keep honing my voice while, while you know, the world is shut down and all of that. So yeah, I've been really like expanding out. Um, I've had plenty of meetings with like the Hollywood executives, uh, what they call it, the water bottle tour. Yeah, where you, they you just go and, and it was a virtual one. Um, and pitch. Yeah, you just go to all these meetings and have generals and oh, let's tell us the stories that you want to tell and blah blah blah. And I just started to see like I'm, I'm I read the writing on the wall. I don't listen to what people say. I listen to what they don't say. Mm. Um, and in these meetings I'm starting to hear they like oh your voice is so authentic you're so authentic and I started to learn like oh that's an actual negative mm. if they say that in a Hollywood meeting that means they're not gonna make nothing you trying to do wow. because that means you have too much you being control. too real but not not even that is you have too much control of the story mm-hmm. they just want people that can that can write over anything they mm-hmm. just want to add people who can who can say who can tell any kind of story okay if you have control over your story i can be in the studio say no nah, don't nobody talk like that in memphis okay or a, a black woman wouldn't do that right type of deal so you become a director you become mm-hmm. a producer you become all these the things control. exactly that's mm. what it's about it's about the control you so, shedding light yeah. today marco pave yeah. so yeah you you in these rooms that a lot of us are not privy to mm-hmm. and you know the the entire it's a lot of systematic just everywhere mm-hmm. systematic that's crazy yeah it's crazy but i mean a lot has evolved as well i love that you're taking control of your career mm-hmm. um what advice would you have for someone that you know wants their voice heard in a similar way that that you're growing and adapting in the world right now man you just gotta take time to hone your skills um take time to really understand what it is that you want to say in the world and and balance that between getting it out like it's so much rushing it's so much like oh I gotta be in front of people right now be in front of people right now but you know uh, I take the best example of um, David Talbert took him 20 years to make Jingle Jangle a lot of people don't know that obviously he made other stuff in between that but the movie he truly truly wanted to make took 20 years for him to come out how many people um if you want to truly be great you got to be able to be say like i don't care how long this might take me i'm gonna still do it yeah and so that's kind of where it's at but also you gotta literally truly understand the voice that you want to have in the world and if it's just oh i want to just be in front of people so i can compete with the other folks that's in front of people then you are already stepping on the wrong foot for me it's just like I want to tell these stories and as long as it takes me to develop them that's that's what it's going to be wow that's some great advice and I feel what you're saying because you know we see like let's just say we're we're paying attention to the mainstream media we see people pop you never know how long that they have been on the grind Mm -hmm. putting in their work Mm -hmm. they didn't just pop up out of nowhere yeah right and I think it's you know, very important to make those sacrifices that you're talking about um, because it's hard out here, it baby. Is. It's hard. Yeah. It's a grind. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> you got to stay steadfast and focused. Mm-hmm. And you have really, like, come up with so many different opportunities for yourself. It's amazing 
How has Memphis treated you in your art? Man, Memphis is my art. Mm. Like that's just first and foremost. Like it's uh, without Memphis, I wouldn't, you know, have have nothing. Um, and so I honor that by, you know, telling the stories that that really love our people. Like mm-hmm. y- y'all know me. I'm I'm the fighter. I fought for Memphis. I'm you know protesting, making my albums about all the stuff that's going on. I don't you know I'm I don't stand for no bull crap about Memphis like mm-hmm. we have to really push our place to to be seen in a better light uh and and, and do the work that needs to help Memphis be in a better light mm-hmm. um so but I add all of that you know instead of fighting with the police and fighting with the mayor and all of that I just put it in my art now um yeah. and, and allow those kind of uh platform building opportunities to to, to help people yeah um and I and I saw that working on set of, of bluff city law mm. um they was paying folks like 35 dollars an hour just to like move furniture around and, mm. and do set design and all of that i'm like man if they if if, if this because bluff city law was whack <laughs> okay. if, if this terrible show can bring this much money in the city think of something great exactly that yeah exactly so it was like let me just put it in the art i can't even you know uh, I'm still a fighter, but I'm a fighter in a different kind of way. Yeah, I'm with you, Mark Marco, because uh, even when I started Verbally Effective, I, I just saw so many amazing people here that, you know, I just wanted them to tell their stories. And someone recently asked me, well, why don't why do you just focus on Memphis? Why don't you, you know, take it to a bigger scale? I said, people are interested in Memphis. Yes. Like that's my niche. Mm-hmm. And and I'm gonna keep telling these Memphis stories. Yeah. So, because also like outside of your media platform, outside of WX Supplier, um, there are not many of these platforms. Memphis, if you turn on channel five, you turn on mm-hmm. thirteen, you turn on any of these stations is the violence is this, is that, mm-hmm. is this and that. It's like, man, this is one of the first platforms where you yeah. you do get to see the local media actually uh, take care of its talent, and that's what True. it's about. So. True, yeah, because if we let them tell the stories, you know, mm-hmm. the perception is going to stay the same. Yep. So we got to change the narrative. Um, you know, you know, you in these meetings in in Hollywood, out there in DC. When, when you tell people you from Memphis, what is the first, you know? Uh, it, it, it 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 uh, it depends. Uh, some people say, "Oh," some people say, "Oh, wow." Mm-hmm. Um, it it just depends on who you're dealing with. But but everybody knows whatever tone they give you. Everybody knows what that means. Everybody knows the the authenticity that it brings, the realness that it brings. Just the the fact, like a lot of DC folks don't like me because it's just like they understand that like oh you came from there and now you live here mm-hmm. that means you yo the energy that you bring and the power the stuff that you've done to get to the place that you in is really real mm. you can't even argue with what you've done because right. you've been able to make make it from one place to another place kind of kind of deal and, and dc yeah. is super like you know um weird like that they want to know where you work that's the first kind of questions people but be your asking. Nose yeah, yeah 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 stuff like this <laughs> <laughs> And like you know, you were saying it on one of the interviews. Like I'm not finna lose my accent. Like yeah, ain't no way I'm finna be like talking different. Like, I, right. I, I made it to adulthood. How am I gonna change yes, my voice? Like exactly. I can't. Like it's impossible. So right. that's another thing that like. So when people hear me, they like, oh, you country. That's the, you know I'm gonna get that for sure. So 
Uh, and they, who you calling country? Yeah. Like, seriously, <laughs> this country thing. Yeah. That is crazy. Wow. Well, we're going to keep Memphis on our back. Mm-hmm. Wherever we go, Marco Pave, I am so proud of you. You got any shout outs you want to do today? Who you want to shout out to? Shout out, man. Just the whole city. So, if, like, everybody that support me, uh, shout out Tater Pro, uh, shout out Kenny Wayne, uh, hey. shout out my wife, obviously, Zandra Robinson. How's she doing? She's doing good. We, we living. We yes, living good. The kids, uh, yeah, good. the kids good. Love yeah. it. So, we're here to see the fam. Um, but yeah, anybody that's ever supported me, um, I love y'all and I thank y'all. Y'all know who y'all is for sure. Yes. Well, Marco Pave, thank you so much for joining us today on the Verbally Effective Podcast right here on WYXR. Memphis is rooting for you on this Mm -hmm. Grammy and all of the amazing work that you're currently working on. And I wish we could talk about a certain project, but we're going (laughs) to come back for part two. Oh, shout out to Skinny Pimp too. Yeah. (laughs) What's up, skinny pimp? Yeah. 2023 is going to be the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Marco Pave. Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist. He has a lot he's not talking about, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that I wish he would share. But that's for 2023. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. Well, happy holidays, Marco, and thank you for joining Verbally for sure. Effective. Thank, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.